0: to another episode of career stories from the field so as you know we're on the second series and for this series I have brought in the wonderful Ellie Codling to help me with the production of this uh, series and we were chatting about the format the content and what we want to get out of it and had a great discussion and she actually said to me well what what does your career look like and uh, we came to the conclusion that it might be a nice idea for Ellie to interview me on my career. So I'm sitting here in the hot seat today feeling more nervous than I normally would uh, with, with Ellie in the interview seat. So um, welcome Ellie and uh, I think I'm prepared but not so <laughs> oh, sure. Oh
1: well thank you for uh, inviting me along Penny. i um, looking forward to our chat and finding out more about your career because yeah we, we need to know how did it pan out for you so let, let's find <laughs> out. and. Uh, Fill in all the gaps for us. So, do you want to start with um, exactly your title and uh, maybe your a little potted history to the journey so far?
0: Yeah. So, I am. I call myself a, a business psychologist and leadership coach. Uh, I've been running Think Forward Consulting now for the last twelve years. And uh, when I started twelve years ago, I qualified as a performance coach. And I was working within organisations, delivering coaching to professionals. But I also started at that point doing quite a bit of career coaching. So the career coaching element is something that I've done uh, throughout the 12 years. And I I really love it. Hence why uh, I launched Career Stories from the field. So, but really as my... As, as the last 12 years have progressed, I've done a lot of, as I say, career coaching, but leadership coaching, performance coaching, moving into management leadership training, and then into business or organizational uh, development. So consulting work. So I did quite a bit of, of that um, from about 2014 to 2019, and, and focused a lot on organizational development. And it was in 2019, really, that I, I had a bit of a life change and uh, I decided I, I really just wanted to focus on the bits that I absolutely love, which is all around helping people develop. So the leadership coach title, I suppose, comes into play quite uh, quite heavily from 2019, where I now predominantly work with uh, either potential leaders, uh, middle managers right up to uh, vice president level, uh, okay. de- delivering leadership coaching, leadership training, team development, um, And yeah, that's that's probably where my main focus is. Yeah. So, So, but yeah. So, how did you get to how did you get to doing
1: this self employed? um, You're running your own business. Where did you begin?
0: Well, so I suppose my my career in organisational psychology or business psychology started. I hate to say the number, but 24 years ago, (laughs) when I qualified uh, with a well, I, I achieved my my BA in journalism, focusing on television production, but also organizational psychology. So I I graduated in in 99 from a university called Rhodes University in South Africa. Okay. And uh, in South Africa, the format is a little different uh, when it comes to degrees. So you you end up majoring in two subjects, then going on to specialize for a fourth year in in a subject of one of the majors. And uh, I'd always thought that I wanted to be a producer in television. And so when I went to university, I was doing journalism, but I decided to do organizational psychology as my second major, thinking, well, I'll always work in an organization. It'll be interesting. And I really did find it interesting, and it came quite naturally to me, I suppose. I did pretty well in it. Uh, But I still wanted to work in TV. So when I moved over to the U.K. at the end of 99, um, I ended up eventually, after temping...
1: So all your working career has been in the UK, has it? You did your degree in South Africa and then came straight over to work?
0: Straight over to work, other than a couple of really dodgy stints <laughs> and sort of retail and, you know, some back office car sales <laughs> showroom. But, yeah, all of it has been in the UK. Okay. So, yeah, so I attempt a bit and then I did get a, a job within um, a production company, and uh, I started as a runner, promoted to uh, production assistant, then production coordinator. And it was at that point, the company merged with a larger, larger production company. And I hadn't really been enjoying the culture within the organization. And when I merged with the other company, nothing really changed. I thought, this doesn't align with my values. I'm not happy. I'm going to go and find another job in another production company. So I resigned. Um, but to pay the bills, I ended up working for the Carbon Trust as a temp. Uh, so I got a job there as a temporary secretary Okay. Uh, and I was like, hmm, uh, yeah, you know, starting at the bottom again and my aim really was to get another job in a production company but as I started working at the Carbon Trust, it was tiny then, there was only about four directors, it's massive now, mm. I realised actually that the values of the Carbon Trust aligned with my own. I really, really liked working for an organisation that... Had a bigger impact on the world that wasn't just about putting money in some dodgy CEO's pocket, um, and I, I I really enjoyed that. So I ended up working there for nearly three years. I moved from secretary to an administrator of financial services products, and I left as the financial services uh, service delivery and communications manager okay. three years later. So I really I really fought. For that, um, pretty much everybody at the Carbon Trust at the time were either from Oxford or Cambridge, an old little South African me wasn't really, you know, <laughs> the candidate they were probably looking for. But I worked hard and I, I you know, I got on the books and then I met my then husband who was the regional manager for the East Midlands uh, region and um, moved up to Nottingham, got a job as a uh, regional manager for a charity that... Uh, I think it still exists, called Planning Aid, and it was part of the Royal Town Planning Institute. Okay.
1: So at this point, had you given up on the thought of going back into production and TV? Were, were you now going on a different career path?
0: Yeah, I'd completely given up on actually having a career in that industry. However, I was using a lot of my knowledge from my degree and and from working in the in. in, in In the production company around marketing communication, and I really liked that. Um, And when I moved into the the regional manager role, I was responsible for all of the marketing, all of the comms, all of the strategy development, the networking. I built, you know, help build websites for different different programs. And I actually thought, well, maybe I need to follow a career more in the marketing comms um, field because. Although I really enjoyed what I was doing, I didn't feel like I'd really found my niche. Mm. And uh, I was there for seven years. And actually, when you ask about where my career, you know, in this, in what I do now started, I would say it pretty much started developing that, that, that charity because essentially it was like a business unit in its own right. I had to do all the recruitment Uh, the development I had to do the strategy development the reporting the networking I developed I I put proposals together for for funding and and partnerships and so it was I I wore many hats and I don't think at that time I ever realized how beneficial it was Mm. Uh, until uh, 2010 the coalition government came in and, and as many will be aware funding was cut it was a charitable organization and pretty much the government pulled the funding. And it was a really difficult stage because for seven years, I'd put my you know, my heart and soul into it, into making it a success. And then suddenly the plug was pulled and, and everybody was made redundant. And yeah, uh, I a had a, a young family at the time. My daughter was 18 months old and my son was four. And Gosh. when we were made redundant, I was working three and a half days a week. And I didn't want to go into a full-time job because I had a young family. But the jobs that were available to me at the time on part-time really weren't very stimulating, motivating, and I would only have been going to work essentially to pay the nursery bills. So I thought, what can I do? And interestingly, about three years before that, I'd had a coach for six months, and I really enjoyed the process. And I, I mean, to this day, I remember some of the conversations I had. And I thought, hmm, I wonder wonder if coaching something I could do. And weirdly, within that same week, two different people, random people, had suggested me investigating coaching as an option.
1: Oh, okay. So this seems a natural fit.
0: Yeah, which I didn't even realise at the time. So I did some research and I found that the Coaching Academy was offering a two-day free programme to go and get a taster in London. So I went down to London. I spent the weekend doing this. I realised that I... I loved it. You know, the whole process of coaching, the skills that you need, I just felt like it was a click. And I thought, right, and I, I put my measly redundancy money towards the, the, the diploma, and I qualified in that. So I, I think I I did it in record time. I think I did it in about eight months because I was desperate to start earning. Because interestingly, a month after I was told we were being made redundant, my husband was told he was being made redundant. Oh. So... Pretty much at the same time, we both lost our jobs. Oh, it's and and did you find
1: that being in that moment where, really, you had both incomes and then you were down to what are we going to do? Do you find in those moments is when the the light bulb moment comes, or how how did it feel oh. as a as a dynamic in your family at that point, and how did it lead to what you both of you were doing?
0: It was devastating. Mm. absolutely devastating you go from having two reasonable salaries not brilliant salaries because of the industry we were in to nothing and it was like how the hell are we going to survive i'd already started the coaching course and actually he was he was brilliant he went straight onto linkedin and he just reached out to as many people as he could and with a month he within the month he'd got a contract for six months on contracting wages and we were like oh Phew! Okay, mm. um, I mean we were down to one car. My kids were at a well, my son was at a school two and a half miles away. So you know, I got one yeah. of those buggies that's attached to the back of the bike, and I cycled them to school every day and Amazing. picked them up because you know we were, we just had to pull the belt in so you know so significantly, and that was why I was so keen to actually be able to start earning. Yeah, and um, so yeah, I think it was in October twenty eleven. I I got my first paid customer uh, which was a continuation of the the work I'd been doing before for free as I got my qualification okay and um, and yeah really that's that's really where it started so quite interesting you know the work that I'd done before I think really put me in good stead to understand the different facets within organizations from sales to you know marketing finance uh, strategy etc to give me some sort of foundation of understanding to be able to work with a a large array of people because i work with people from all industries and all job types yeah so it's really really fascinating
1: so when you were in school and and you're schooling subjects would you say that any of those were relevant for the role that you do and the work you do now
0: 100 percent. so the subjects that i really excelled in When I, when I, um, so in South Africa, again, you, you get a matric, uh, exemption, you don't get A-levels, but it's kind of equivalent. And I suppose the, the two areas, the two subjects that I excelled in, did really well in, uh, in my matric was English and drama.
1: Now to say that
0: to my son right now, he's like drama, who cares about drama, you know, but actually (laughs) drama allows you to be able to express yourself and communicate in a number of different settings. So you know, now I have to interact with people, all different types of people in all different settings. And those interpersonal skills are fundamental for for what I do. And I suppose the English allows me to be able to articulate myself um, without the experience of running that charity and the work at the Carbon Trust and probably even in the TV production company. I don't think I would have been able to market myself as I did when I when I went self-employed and be able to, because I blogged, I wrote for the Nottingham Post. I did as much as I could to get my name out there, and th- those en- those English skills are those writing skills really really important. So, yeah, I think there's a direct link. Even though back in the day, there is no, I would never have dreamed of this being my career. It was it was not even on my radar. Yeah. So you threw everything at it when you,
1: when you got that qualification, and used all the skills oh, that 100%. you had. Oh you see that's 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 fantastic yeah. isn't it and um, what are the, what would you say are the most significant skills that you need now in your current role do they still
0: remain the same I would say to to be successful as a coach and the skills i use now there's it's interesting it, it's a balance between deep empathetic listening and logic. So as a coach, you have to be as curious as ever. You have to really try and understand that person's perspective and, you know, and, and dig deeper to, to other surrounding issues or, or pressures or strengths or weaknesses that they might not have noticed for themselves. And, and that requires you to be very curious, asking lots of questions. But it's not just about listening to it it's about making sense of it and being able to critically think about how this all fits together and what themes are coming out of it interestingly i i did a, a psychometric a number of years ago um and the consultant who gave me the feedback said you really don't have a coach's pers- personality profile i was like <laughs> why and she says well you're you're really rich you've got so much logic and and this that and the other and you know most coaches are really green they've got the people focus they soft and i was like you cannot just have one without the other. Uh, They go hand in hand, and I think that's something that people don't often expect. But you're not there to solve problems, but you're there to help people make sense of what they're saying, and that logical, critical thinking is absolutely crucial. So listening, logic, uh, patience, very important. I say sense of humor. I I am not a serious type of person, so I always like to have a relaxed, easygoing, atmosphere I guess people need to warm to you as well and yes yes building rapport is is critical it's absolutely critical and it's really interesting I've had feedback that's like it's amazing you're able to sort of build rapport with so many different types of of personalities but it's about as I say listening and watching and being able to adapt so you both find a place where you feel comfortable and 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 are trusting in that relationship so that rapport building yeah. is, is is really fundamental. So you have to almost put yourself on the back seat and focus entirely on the person that you're dealing with. Uh, mm. and then adapt yourself and your skills and your expertise, I suppose, to enable that person to to feel comfortable, to trust you, to be able to open up and, and to, to, to do the to do the work, essentially.
1: Yeah. What do you love most about your job?
0: I love seeing people develop. You know, I've worked with so many people now, and and people who come to me and they they lack confidence. They don't believe in themselves. They have the imposter syndrome. And doing the work with with them, helping them understand that they are worthy, that they are the real deal, and help them find their self-esteem to be able to realize that they deserve the place that they're in and then seeing them grow from that place. I think seeing people have those light bulb moments about themselves is the number one motivator for me. I I absolutely love it. I love meeting people, just different people and learning about their their experiences and their industries and their challenges. uh, yeah it it it's the it's the thing that gets me out of bed and that's why it doesn't really feel like a job because I connect with people I get to know them I'm wholly invested in in helping them achieve their goals and uh, we tend to develop really you know good relationships that last last a long time and you know to to see people also like through LinkedIn or they'll touch base with me now and again going you know here I am and thanks so much yeah. for helping me on my way type of thing. And that, that for me is, is, is everything.
1: Yeah, you can tell you really love what you do and you're very passionate about it, which I think holds you in good stead to, to run a long career in something because you've got to love what you do, haven't you?
0: Absolutely. And I, I feel fortunate that I've found what I love because I kind of stumbled across it. Uh, I don't feel like it's a job It is something that I do because I love it. And, you know, I had a conversation the other day and someone says, well, when are you going to retire? I was like, I have no idea because I can't imagine just saying one day I'm not going to do this. Why would you stop doing what you love? I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so important. And, And that's certainly the advice I'm giving to my son and the advice I'm giving to my son's friends. Do what you love. Follow what you love. Don't do what you think you ought to do, what your parents want you to do. If you've got a passion for something, you've got an interest for something, follow it. Because if you're doing what you love, it, it, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like work. And and people might be thinking, Oh, you know, you're in a privileged position. Well, as you can hear, I wasn't in a privileged position. You know, I I moved over from the from mm. South Africa. I, I I worked a number of crappy jobs. Um my husband and I both lost our our, our jobs at the same time. I believe you focus on doing the right thing and making making a step towards where you want to go every day, staying positive, looking for opportunities and grasping those opportunities. You'll slowly get to a place where you are doing what you enjoy. Uh, It's about not settling for the status quo.
1: Yeah, because you are a career coach now as well and those people look into career change. So i guess is part of that role is you're helping people find that job they
0: love is it absolutely and i think when i had my career change i mean i i had a complete you know complete career change i didn't move from a similar job to self-employed i went from a job to doing something completely new and um so it was it was a challenge and it was scary and i spent a long time you know talking about imposter syndrome I, i felt a long time an imposter um but now I suppose I understand the the tools needed for people to uncover what it is they do love and what their purpose maybe is uh, and and equip with them with those skills and confidence to follow their heart. Um, and it might not be their next job or the job after that, but if they've got it in their mind's eye and they, they're always working towards that, then... Those opportunities, if they grasp those opportunities, will they will come their way. So, I suppose, yeah, I, I like to share what I've learned uh, in a career coaching program, but I am an eternal optimist. So I, I have that on my side.
1: Well, that's no bad way to be. I think we all need to be a bit more like that some days, don't we? But um, if you were, <laughs> if you were talking to your younger self, or someone came to you now and said, I, "I really want to move into coaching," what advice would you give them? What's the top tip and advice that you have? Well,
0: that's interesting. I think. I honestly think, I mean, some people say to me, oh, there's no way I could go self-employed now. I'm only 35 or I'm only 45 or I'm only 50. You know, it's like, what's age got to do with it? Age doesn't doesn't have anything to do with it. But I think experience and skills are very important. And I think as a coach, if you're doing life coaching, maybe, and you're using just pure coaching methods where you're just helping somebody understand things from their own perspective i would say if you've got those interpersonal skills and you love working with people and you're motivated to see people grow go and do a, a qualification but i think if you're wanting to work in a more corporate setting you have to have experience of different settings and it's interesting i remember a number of years ago someone said to me so you must be from one of the big four, as in the consultancies. And I was like, no, actually, I ran a charity and I worked for a non, you know, not profit, you know, the Carbon Trust. And that. But over the 12 years I was employed, I did have a number of insights into different industries, even as a temp. And it's about working within different departments, uh, networking with different areas of expertise that gives you a broader understanding of what the world of work actually looks like. So I think if you want to move into the corporate world of coaching, go and get some experience in something else, allow coaching to emerge as something that you do when you're ready. And that's what I mean from a corporate perspective. I'm sure anybody could do life coaching with the right tools. But I honestly think you need a foundation of understanding because there's so much jargon. There's, you need to understand what, what these things mean. And I mean, I get to the point now where I'm, I might meet somebody I have no idea the jargon they're talking about. But I ha- And I ask. I'm always curious. I, you know, there's, I ask multiple silly questions. But it's about me getting the full picture, but I've got the foundation. Um, so I would definitely say go and get some broad experience
1: yeah work in some various workplaces and environments do you feel to so that when
0: yeah exactly. so you've got
1: that broad knowledge is there anything could you think of anything specific that happened in your life that um other than the fact that you you had the redundancy and it made you consider your business coaching is there any other specific thing that's happened in your life that's grown your skills that that's helped in your work environment
0: it's a- it's an interesting one I think resilience and I I, I'm not afraid to take on new challenges and I think that resilience probably comes from early days of moving to the country not very much money in my bank account not having any family locally having to work in I mean I remember my production job in London I was earning 11 grand a year and I can tell you it was still expensive to live in London and it was yeah it was really frightening it was hand to mouth you know and um Mm. it's about coming out of adversity I suppose and realizing that you're you've learned something and that you are strong enough to deal with it um I think that had a very big impact on on my growth as a person most definitely. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, and I think, and that's certainly something to to say. Don't be afraid of adversity. If 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 something fails, it's because you tried, and that's a positive. You know, if you don't fail, you'll never learn, and so embrace adversity for the positives and the opportunities that come out of it. No millionaire has ever f- not failed. Yeah, and unfortunately, I'm not a millionaire yet. But uh, (laughs) there's still time. (laughs) There's still time. Successful people fail, yeah. And I think you know, certainly with the younger generation, I think there's a there's a fear of failure. There's a fear of you know not being exactly where you think you need to be. And without all of those crappy jobs I did beforehand, you know, I don't I don't think I'd have the perspective that I that I have today. I sometimes wonder in a
1: career yeah I sometimes wonder if in people's careers whether they need to do the crappy job because it it um, I I, I've done the the crappy job at some point and it sticks with you and I I, it taught me something I know it did and it gave me a a life lesson somewhere I can't specifically explain how or why but I know it will have made a difference and they say, don't they, that um, push your comfort zone, don't sit there in your comfort zone, step outside the box. 100 Are these all, would you say they're all useful skills to progress your career?
0: Oh, my goodness. You have to stretch yourself. You have to stretch yourself. And you have to, yeah, sitting in your comfort zone, you're either going to stagnate um, or you're just going to stay this, you know, you're going to stagnate or go backwards. So you have to push yourself so something i was always i was gonna i I always say to people is that you are the only person as invested in your career no i didn't say that no one else is as invested in your career as you are so you know it is down to you to push forward to look for opportunities to ask for a promotion if you're ready ask for i mean i remember carpenters asking for a salary raise a number of times because I realized I wasn't you know on the same path I'm not saying that everybody should go and do that I suppose I was quite feisty and bolshy um <laughs> <laughs> but you know you need to you need to push ahead I mean I think of the last 12 years I've put myself through so many different qualifications including a, a master's in, in in organizational psychology I did that I didn't wait for someone to to pay for it you know what I mean yeah um And I actually have a little story, which is a bit of a sliding doors moment in my life, which for any young graduate listening, take note, I suppose. Oh, let's hear the story. um, Yeah. Oh, it was a sliding doors moment. So I'd moved over to the UK. It was 99. I was putting... Applications out to all these different um, media houses, production companies. I wanted to get into either journalism te- or television. You know, it didn't really matter to me. I just wanted to to get into that industry. And I remember, um, so I'd come over to the UK. I took a year a, a, a gap year, and I'd come to the UK. I'd done tra- been travelling, and everything. So I had a fair bit of admin experience under my belt and temporary roles. So that was on my CV. And um, I remember getting a phone call. And uh, so this was in early 2000, right? So, you know, the internet was just taking off. And an American accent on the other end of the phone invited me in to Fleet Street for an interview uh, as a administration manager for the Wall Street Journal Online. I was like, oh, Wall Street Journal Online, Fleet Street, that sounds interesting. Not so sure about the admin manager role, though. I want to be a journalist. Anyway, I went in, went up the lift, very fancy building, met the director of Wall Street Journal Online and had an interview with him. And um, he was like, well, I've seen the admin experience in your CV and you know, we'd really like to offer you the job. It wasn't even an interview, he was offering me the job. And I was like, oh, well, I don't wanna be an administrator. I've got a degree in journalism. And uh, he was like, well, you know, you've got the skills for admin and we're setting up here, there's an opportunity for you here. I was like, well, how quickly am I going to move out of admin and into, you know, a more journalism job? And he was like, well, I don't know. Let's see how you go. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I've got this degree and, you know, I admin, don't want to do admin. And I was like, well, how much are you going to pay me? And, uh, you know, he said how much, which I can say is a lot more than 11 grand a year. Anyway, I, I said, well, I'll have to think about it. This is 22 year old me arrogant and naive without any unfortunately without any you know support or direction and how to go about starting a career and he phoned me two weeks later going have you thought about it we still want to offer you the job I mean what an idiot he should (laughs) and I turned him down (laughs) and I ended up working for this production company that doesn't exist anymore that used to do adverts Uh, So of like infomercials and interstitials for the likes of Discovery, BBC, various other channels, including Playboy. So there I was (laughs) turning down a role with the Wall Street Journal, working in this backwater bloody production company, having to watch uh, soft porn for three days a month, (laughs) logging all the good bits. And I thought I could be... At the Wall Street Journal. So that was my sliding oh, doors moment. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> so for any young person out there, if you're not being offered your dream job as soon as you graduate, I'm not surprised. You don't have the experience most likely. Just take that job, get the experience, and allow those opportunities to come your way. If I I mean, I love where I am now, and I love my life, and I love my job, but can you imagine? I know. Do you ever I look back? being sort of like, well, Wall Street it, Journal... It, Yes, I do look back.
1: <laughs> but then I guess the skills you learned from uh, your your other job that you took, you know, you can't, your hindsight, isn't it, I guess, from hindsight, but what do you think you learned exactly. from that?
0: Just don't be arrogant. Be open to opportunities. <laughs> you know, yes, I had a degree, but I didn't have the experience. You know, what an asshole! It was, <laughs> you know, I can just see myself now and I'm embarrassed. <laughs> But, you know, your ideal job comes through experience. It comes through getting your hands dirty. It comes through broadening that that skill set. Have the yeah. right attitude, but don't be arrogant. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that. <laughs> oh,
1: it's a, it's a colourful career to get where you want to be, isn't it? And that's no bad thing. So what's well, exactly. next for you, Penny? It's no regrets. <laughs> no, good. So We're what's next? next? Yeah, hmm.
0: so what's next for you? Well I'm going to carry on doing what I love um, and yeah I mean at the moment I'm, I'm coaching people all over the world which which I really do love uh, and I can do that from my back garden so you know that opens many doors, I love travelling so I'm hoping that um, you know uh, the work will take me to, to different interesting places um, but I'm going to carry on doing what I do and it's, it's a difficult question for me because I always ask everybody else this question but I'm running my business, I'm loving what I do, I'm interested by the variety of people I work with, Uh, it's exciting, I just want to carry on doing it. I think if there was to be one change that I'm working towards, one day I will relocate somewhere sunny and do it from that sunny spot, but uh, that won't be for a few years.
1: Uh, We'll just put up with the rainy Midlands for now dream oh it's been great chatting to you and hearing all about your career story today and how you've got to where you want to be and you sound like you're loving loving your work loving the lifestyle that it's giving you so you know what a great place to be
0: thank you so much for interviewing me and putting me on the in the hot seat Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to another career story from the field. I really hope you're enjoying learning about all these fantastic people and their career histories. If you are enjoying it, please do rate the show or follow me. And importantly, if you would like to feature on the show as one of my guests, please do get in touch via the email in the show notes. Thanks for listening.